You're listening to the Potato Candy Network. Before this episode begins, I wanted to give a shout out to our newest Patreon member this week, Nathan. Thank you so much for your support, Nathan. We are so glad to hear that you are enjoying our shenanigans as much as we are. If you would like to hear your name in a shout out, be sure to go to patreon.com forward slash potato candy network or click on the link in the show notes. Tiers start at $1 for support and merchandise is available if you'd like some cool swag. Thanks again to Nathan, to all of our Patreon members and our awesome listeners. Now roll the intro. Hello and welcome to Blank Scenario. I am your host, Marie, a.k.a. Queen in Yellow. And I am Casey, a.k.a. Grumpy Elf. And joining us today, we have another guest. Uh, I realize I should have asked how you wanted to be introduced before I hit record. <laughs> um, Ken, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. And you can just introduce me as Ken. That's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> We have with us uh, from the other side of the world, apparently, today, uh, Ken, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it should be fun. So we found out that you had at least 10 times more experience than we did playing D&D, so hopefully you'll be our expert this episode. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> right. We will see. We will see. So hopping into it, Casey, you have the uh, inspiration for this week. Yes. So... I pulled from another song this week because I ran across the song Oh Death that everybody, everybody, for whatever reason, has been doing remixes and redos of. And I actually listened to the lyrics in detail at this point, and it made me consider, I'm not going to give the lyrics out right now, but basically the gist of it is a person begging death for another year of life pass me over, give me one more year. And it occurred to me that it would be an interesting story either for one of your players or one of the characters that they run into to be at this point where they're at the end of their year. They've been given one year and now they're looking to gain themselves one more year of life again. And perhaps the quest that you go on or something you assist with is going to be to that ends. So that was my prompt. Interesting. I I have an immediate reaction to that, thinking of the story of Faust or Faustus auf Deutsch, um, where he promises his soul to the devil in return for power, but when he dies, he goes to hell forever. And if somebody was in a similar situation where they had made a promise uh, gain something from it and then is out of time and and desperate to extend that time and regretting their deal that they made and trying to find a way out of it, uh, especially if you feel like dealing with, um, you know, supernatural beings and contracts and things like that. This would be an interesting way with 5th edition if you had someone that wanted to level up as a warlock. Oh, yeah. Because you could very easily give someone just one level in warlock but your patron requires your soul in a year. So they have to decide, are they going to spend that time trying to find a way out? Is this the end of that year? And if so, does that mean they're dead? <laughs> Basically, at the end of this quest? <laughs> or do they get to become the uh, the next big bad guy NPC? Right? Oh. 
<laughs> You're the new lich. <laughs> hang out in this tomb forever. It's fine. <laughs> See, that's always interested me as well. Running with the idea of a warlock who has a patron that is basically, I'm not going to say fattening him up for the slaughter, but is basically getting him ready to be a container for himself. Oh. And being able to take that and run with it of, if you've got the year, at the end of the year, no matter where he is, that patron is going to take over as his, um, as him, basically, moving mm-hmm. forward. So what is he going to do to try to get out of that? I also think of Casey, because we just seen the trailer again at the theaters last night, the Marvel film uh, Morpheus that's coming out with the- Morbius. Or Morbius, Morbius sorry. sorry. Morbius? The vampire in Marvel, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> but he basically has this disease that's slowly killing him. And to find a cure, he becomes a vampire. So what if that's kind of situation here? Someone is on death's door, but the cure has become worse than disease was. Because we've mentioned in past episodes that you know vampirism and lycanthropy is a disease, technically. Yeah, Um and what's interesting to me with that angle is you could really work the idea of something like a, a very benevolent ruler or a very heroic warrior that's staving off all of the bad guys at the border, where this person is is such a benefit to society that losing them would be a tremendous loss. And yet uh, to keep them becomes incredibly dangerous and so it presents this big conundrum that the that the players have to figure out and decide which side they stand on and how they're going to solve whatever problem results from that i love how big you just made this story and one (laughs) fail swoop (laughs) went from let's protect a village in my mind all the way up to okay now we're protecting a city that happens with a lot of people (laughs) i like that yeah. Or, you know, why stop at a city, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe it is only a village, but um, you can even have the simple idea of a, a baron or a king who is aging and about to die. And his son is just the worst narcissistic, selfish individual in the world that nobody wants to be the ruler. Um, Got to find a way to save the king you are basically okay here's where my mind has jumped to so our story is centering around heimdall and you're dealing with thor and loki of asgard at that point you got the very narcissistic son that they don't want to have be ruler and heimdall is defending the portal to this realm that could very easily be shut off Mm -hmm. so some kind of hybrid that would run off of that one although uh you know, officially Loki is is Odin's friend, uh, and like a brother to Odin, and not a son, and not a brother to Thor. I was just thinking of Thor when you mentioned a narcissist. <laughs> that was where my mind went. There, you, okay, all right. You know, I just think that all super handsome Vikings are not narcissistic <laughs> because I am a super handsome Viking. <laughs> no offense, man. Man, no offense, man. <laughs> Obviously, he couldn't be wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm playing. But yeah, yeah. The You know, Thor, before he, he learns his humility, right? Okay. So yeah. do we want 
um i i'm i'm not gonna say we have to lock in but i do like the idea if you've got maybe one person like a heimdall that is blockading or is a defensive point on either this realm or this city whatever it is and they're the ones that have been granted this power by somebody who is going to require tribute in essence in return okay okay this makes me think of the the jack sparrow plot line from the pirates of caribbean movies that he was required what 99 souls and mm-hmm. the kind of the backstory was because he took a slaver ship and basically freed the people that would have sunk to the bottom of the sea in theory. So he's requiring to get these souls or his souls taken instead. So when you mentioned the tribute, could there be something like that where we have this protector who has been given another year of life but requires a soul. So in order to keep him from having to pay that, someone else can pay it instead. Or like the equivalent of that, here's this great warrior, you need to present enough souls that equal his own. So your party yeah. is tasked with finding enough sacrifices for this. You know, it's that for got... the greater good, but these people are giving up their souls. And within D&D, there's a lot of afterlives that people want to get to that they might not now. That got really dark. In a really cool way. <laughs> she does that from time to time. I am the Cthulian person in our group, so every time he's like, what can happen? Sacrifice everyone. <laughs> okay. This is definitely our more quandary question. Is one soul worth a life of 20 in order to save thousands? Well, well that... Oh, you go ahead, Gan. <laughs> I was just going to say, according to Marvel... Um, we will sacrifice everything to save any named main character, including <laughs> all other humans on the face of the planet. True. <laughs> so I just, uh, what was it? The <laughs> Avengers end game where they're saying how they have to save Captain America. No one can be left behind. And yet extras are being blown up left and oh, right. Yeah. And nobody seems <laughs> to care. <laughs> And the if people you didn't who sign are a contractor fodder. <laughs> yeah. People who are brought back midair that were on a plane whenever the snap happened. Yeah. All that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what but. what I was thinking was it was gonna be it, it's an interesting thought if you start getting into the value system of it, that we always have this concept of one good deed wipes out a bad deed. So mm-hmm. what if you're dealing with that? If you're talking about the value of this character's existence, then every good thing he's done has built up and continued on. So now he has this this moral quandary he's in because either he can keep doing good things and keep building up the cost of or building up his value or he can try to mitigate that so that he can actually catch up so to speak with what toll he's going to have to pay oh so by being less than perfect he minimizes the sacrifice that is needed to continue his life so he has to go on a crime spree in order to undo all the good he's done so no one else has to sacrifice themselves or something along those lines that this is where I, I get into the question of now that we have our, our kind of general idea, where would the party end up fitting into all of this? Mm-hmm. So, uh, cause otherwise we're making a movie about 
a really cool guy <laughs> that now has to mitigate all of his choices. Right, right. And that's where we maybe need to take a step back and say, okay, we have some really cool ideas, but where where do those cool ideas become an adventure scenario or an entire campaign or or whatever it is? Um, and at that point, you know, there, there has to be a reason that, you know, somebody needs the characters, whether that's this Heimdall or the person who's trying to get rid of Heimdall or the person or persons that Heimdall is protecting. Um, I'm using Heimdall as just a placeholder oh, yeah. name there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> It'll yeah. stick. We grab, yeah, we grab random names all the time. <laughs> Michael has come up 12 times for no reason. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I mean, we, we can go with Michael, but now I'm still oh, no, you're, thinking. Oh, Heimdall's that. better, honestly. <laughs> I right. just, that's the name we gravitate towards for some reason. So, <laughs> or, or we could go with, you know, Cthulhu Mythos and say, Thank you, God. <laughs> just Heimdall yeah. backwards, see if you can pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Uh, what is that? Uh, Ladme? That's Ladna? actually better than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, it's just the two L's. <laughs> so it would be interesting to have it for the party. If you want something that's pulling him to the spot, if we want to say that this guy has a patron and the mm-hmm. patron, it, it, based off of the, because we've not locked in the prompt that he's oh. um, he's going to become a vessel, but let's say this guy is going to become a vessel. This patron would have several different people that are following him. What if your party member is one of those patrons or is one of those um, people that is following this patron and this patron is pulling them towards it to assist with their preparation. So picking back up where we left off because computers so love us. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, (laughs) Oh, like the other day, I'm like, I'll get my computer to like read a USB drive. No, can't read it. Can't read it. All right, fine. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least we have the uh, the modern invention of slightly okay human memory. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, if you okay. if I didn't write it down, I don't remember it half the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Casey I know since this was your prompt originally you made the comment about having this be someone who is being prepared by their patron to become a vessel do you want this to be before or after they make a deal for that additional year or additional time at the very least does that change the direction it goes I don't know if it changes it all that much uh, it well, I guess it could, because it would then decide what it is that your party is going for. I, I guess in my mind, I had it that this is after they've made the deal, and now they are seeking a way to actually accomplish what it is that they're doing. I guess, um, <laughs> thinking back, something like a month. So I, I think it was it was along those lines. But honestly, I'd be willing to do either one. So, have you guys uh, read Mistborn? I have not. The, the novel Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. I don't believe uh, so. Oh, okay. Um, 
Do I need to? I probably (laughs) shouldn't spoil it for you then. But (laughs) there's a, uh, I I was gonna, I was gonna run with, uh, well, I'll, I'll do it anyway. Um, Go for it, man. Yep. There's a concept of, you know, this person who, this is outside of the book is the, the begging for one year, more year of life. But there can be this interesting dichotomy of this person trying to get one more year of life because they're trying to do good. And when they get the one more year of life, by virtue of getting that, it causes some horrific bad in the world that is not necessarily a big bad guy, but could be just the entire environment changes in a way that, you know, ash rains from the sky and farms can no longer grow wheat or things like that. Like there's such a cost to it that this attempt to do a great good has caused a horrible cataclysm. And so then you can take both sides of the coin. You know, you said, is, should it be before or should it be after? Well, what if the first part, you know, we, we can take this from a single session and make a campaign out of it where the first part is helping this person to achieve their one more year. And then the second part is, oh no, we just ruined everything by doing that. How can we reverse it? <laughs> yeah one of the beauties of that is you could make it as long or as short as you wanted to you could make it a full you know year-long campaign or right. take the avengers approach and have it infinity war and Endgame mm-hmm. that we leap forward several years mm-hmm. where now they've got to go back to the source and go back to the beginning to fix whatever it was that had happened yeah now i may be i might be throwing things way too far out of where we were <laughs> oh going. please do please do <laughs> I think for me, I like that idea because you can have someone who has come to the character saying, I need help to make this deal. If I die, the you know town is ruined, city falls, I need extra time. They make the deal and your players may not even know the consequences until they come back. It could only be this area that we have not been able to grow wheat in two years. We can't right. farm anything. Our animals are dying of disease. We don't know what happened. Your players will have no idea of this until they come back to this area if they ever come back to it oh now that's really interesting so you could basically have yeah have them trigger a change in the environment like you said ken and yeah. this warrior is still here doing good but not as much good as the food would have done now let's see if this works um because now now there may be a benefit to us having to have uh stopped and picked up again because on mm-hmm. my flight back I finally watched another Marvel movie, oh, um, boy. <laughs> Legend of the Ten Rings. Have not seen it yet. Need I know, to. I need to watch okay. it still. Okay. <laughs> what idea um, did you pull? What if this warrior is a guardian of a gate that is holding back some ancient and horrible evil, like big bad evil guy, you know? Um That's why this warrior wants to stay alive, is to continue protecting this gate. But then, what if by keeping this warrior alive, he has to suck the life force of the world itself? The strength of magic, the ability of crops to grow, uh, you know, new babies being born. And not, it doesn't stop all at once, but it gradually gets sucked away from the world the longer and longer this warrior continues to live. What is it in Chult campaign that when you die, it consumes every soul 
Oh. The, um, oh. The, there's a term for it. Soulmonger. Yeah, the soulmonger, basically. He becomes that. He's just absorbing and absorbing all this life over time. Yes. Yes. Ooh, yes. I like that, actually. Because then you could put the players either as he's making the deal and they assist mm-hmm. in it, and then mm-hmm. they see the repercussions later on. Or it could even be after the deal's been made and this town is kind of ground zero for this pool of magic. Then yes. they have to find the cause of it and discover that this guy has made a deal that is keeping an evil back, but is causing more damage in the long run. So question. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, if if we are trying to involve our players, I love the lore that we're building. I mm-hmm. think for me, it would be most beneficial to decide what it is that he's having to do to fulfill this deal. Okay. Because if that's the big bad thing that we're trying to either assist with or prevent, then we might need to know what that is. So I think at one point we were talking about there was a certain number of souls that needed to be exchanged for Mm -hmm. life for it. Um, At one point, I think there was some quest that had to be gone on, and maybe that's where we ended up with the souls. But either way, what is it that the players are going to be assisting in specifically? Because the lore and everything, I love what we've got, and I love all of that. I think we're it, we're back right where we were <laughs> of, okay, now what are the players doing? Okay. Yeah. So, and that goes back to the question of where are we starting? Do we want the deal to involve souls and have the moral quandary of how much is it worth? Or is this an actual quest that you have to go on to find something or complete a task? Personally, I would go with a a combination of what Kin said. I think it would work really well to have this be um, some kind of power that he has to amass from the the land around him. But I think it would be interesting to make this not like a constant ongoing getting worse over time, but think of it like a stock market crash. That Mm -hmm. every single time this deal needs to be fulfilled, because this is probably not the first time, Every single time this deal needs to be fulfilled, there is a marked point where society seems to be wiped off the map in this area, and Ooh. they slowly build back to this empire that we come to know them to be. But whatever that task is that he has to complete, whether it's going to going to some ancient part of the city, it could even be as simple as he needs to, if, if he's this guardian of this gate... He needs to go off on this quest, and he needs you to stay here and guard the gate. And while you're there, things start happening around you that signals to those who are paying attention as to what he's doing. But to you, it may seem like, oh, we're guarding the gate incorrectly. These things are beginning to bust through, or we're seeing cracks forming in the pillars. Just running off of that. Um, because I, I think one of the challenges with that one is you have this, you mentioned the idea of, you know, this region become, you know, gets destroyed and then builds back up the empire. Now we're talking about somebody who renews this every thousand years or 2000 years or something like that instead of, yeah. um, but what if, what if we go ahead and run with something like that, except that this guardian has become, uh, old and weak and it's it's known that the guardian periodically becomes old and weak and needs somebody to assist them back to a a wellspring of of power or rejuvenation or something so the the campaign begins 
with the characters being called to be the escorts of the Guardian. Now, nobody knows that there's going to be a bad side effect of that. Yeah. Um, so then they, they escort the Guardian. The Guardian, you know, gets their wellspring of energy. And I don't know how sold I am on it just kind of like instantly happening that the whole area, you know, takes the consequence. But what if... And by the way, as the Guardian goes away from the gate, evil gets to seep through. Now, not necessarily the big bad evil guy right away, mm -hmm. but like more and more monsters in the world. And so the you're rushing, you're, you're, you're time limited. You're like, I'm trying to get this done before the world ends by this. But then as the Guardian starts fighting everything back, every big thing that the Guardian does to push back, every big spell he casts, uh, you know, maybe... Maybe he's immortal, but they can kill him and he comes back to life. Every time something big like that happens, it saps from the earth itself. So the more your party does, the better he can do. And then as you're coming back toward the gate and he's becoming this bigger and bigger hero, you're seeing the world die more and more around him. And you're realizing, wait, we have to get rid of him and stop <laughs> this gate. I like it. I like it uh, having a wellspring that he goes to that rejuvenates him and kind of renews the magic that he can now pull from the earth. So as you you have to travel a day to the wellspring, mm -hmm. you spend a night there. On the way back, you notice he's getting younger, but there's yes. more and more dead trees on the path. And by the time you get back to the gate that he has to keep the big bad behind, you can see these creatures coming through. And as he's fighting it, you just see stuff dying, like you said. Yes. And that'd be really easy for players to just... Like, he hits a creature, and a tree dies. That seems an odd coincidence. Hits a tree, another creature. A tree catches on fire. Okay, maybe something's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that after having absorbed all four Matrix films within the last two weeks, <laughs> I'm immediately like, he must return to the source. <laughs> Reinsert himself into the, the wellspring. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I have not seen the fourth Matrix film, so... Okay, I'm not touching anything with <laughs> yeah, the fourth yeah, one. Yeah. This is still all in the original <laughs> yeah, trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I like this. I like the way this is going. Do... Um, okay, do we have our specific lock-ins that we, that we wanted for any specific stuff that we're going to run off, Marie? Um, it kind of sounds like we're leaning towards this is someone who's kind of remaking a deal. So this is not mm -hmm. the first time they've done it, but they've made it once, maybe twice before. They are a warrior guarding at least a gate of some kind. So whether this is a city or a small town village, that's kind of, you know, the scale you want to put it at. The deal allows them to pull from the environment around them for power. So they are draining probably the environment and then people first. Environment first and then people. And then your players then are going to be escorting this warrior to the wellspring to renew this deal and then back to the gate and potentially assisting in a fight maybe killing the warrior in the process if they decide to i guess <laughs> I guess, yeah i mean that's really a, a decision up to everybody right yeah. So, yeah yeah oh oh that would be so much fun um because let's say you know maybe killing the warrior in the process or maybe letting the environment and the people, because it eventually it ought to get to like the NPCs, 
mm-hmm. you know, around die, or the party allows themselves to be uh, used as the energy sources and mm-hmm. sacrifices themselves and dies, mm-hmm. but saves the world. <laughs> I like it. So, okay. um, I mean, I it's think- just, yeah. Oh, you're good. Because I think uh, between the first recording and now we're at like our 30 minute mark, give or take. Yep. Yeah. So at this point, we'll do a quick scribble break. Now, do I need to keep this as like a single session or can I really make it a full campaign? We lean towards a single session, but if you want to make a full campaign, go for it. Yeah. If you've got an idea for how you could expand it out, that's fine. I think we've even had ideas that started off as a single uh, a single shot that we said, and we can take this and turn it into a full campaign. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I might steal it for a home game at some point. Be warned. <laughs> yeah. I think I've got mine. Um, does everyone need a few more minutes still? I am not entirely sure. I'll know if I need a few more minutes after <laughs> I hear what you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've been there so many times. <laughs> Casey, I think you've changed your scenario like halfway through. We'll be presenting ideas and you're like, wait, I have an idea and completely change what your scenario was. Oh, yeah, that's happened before. (laughs) It's the worst whenever I present last, even though I do that to myself most times, because midway through someone will have an idea that I'm like, oh, take that idea and take that idea and take part of that idea. I am infamous for having the long explanations. (laughs) It's the Shakespeare approach. steal everything (laughs) i thought you were talking about word count but yeah that too (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, casey should i make you go first in that case i can yeah at the very least i can pay attention (laughs) to everyone else's that way um okay so you your story begins as you receive a message you alone receive a message to come to the old capital of your country you are not told any major details of why you should be doing this But you know for a fact that this place used to be the center of culture in the world. And over the last thousand years or so, it has slowly fallen off of the map. Once you get there, you discover that you will be assisting in a ritual. A ritual that has not been seen for the last 5,000 years. And you will not be doing this alone. A group has been gathered. All of them having received the same message that you received just telling you to come and assist in what all, what all is going on there. You are introduced to a very old, very frail-looking man that or person, you know, whatever you want to do with it. Um, a very old guardian that has been guarding a gate to this city for as long as anyone can remember. You are told that you must escort him to the place where he must make his final choice, and take his final rest. You and your party will escort this man to this place, and along the way, several things are going to end up happening to you. First of all, at some point along the way, this man will introduce a game of mental ability. Uh, In my brain, it went something along the lines of the Princess Bride with the poison test of trying to outthink, outsmart, outmaneuver but you can really do whatever you want. That's just a way that you could go with this and see who of this party manages to outthink or outwit this guardian. 
After that, you will end up coming across some kind of town that has some court case going on or some kind of charge that's come up against it. And this man will not let you leave this town until this court case, this investigation, whatever it is, is resolved. Next, as you are going along, you will finally make it to your destination, but you are told by the Guardian that he knows where the doors are, he knows how to open them, he just can't quite remember the key phrase. And it will be waiting as long as your players can be patient enough to wait. Now, maybe don't make them wait real-time hours, but as long as your characters are patient enough to wait until he can finally recall, ah, that's the way that you're supposed to do it. Your players will enter, and last but not least, there is one more obstacle that they must overcome. There is a small band of poor-looking androids, automatons that have been set up inside of this place that you must be able to eliminate before making it fully to the wellspring at the end. When you reach the end, you discover that all of this was, to some degree, a part of a plan. A plan that this guardian had, because this guardian is, in fact not human. He is not even living. He is a revenant. A revenant that must pass on his specific job to the next generation. The next generation that will last for the next 5,000 years. His time is done, his watch has ended, and one of your party must take up the space. But you see, he's been paying attention. For every single one of these events that your characters come upon, you as the GM need to pay attention to who comes out on top, who you think does the best, and the test of mind, the test of justice, the test of fortitude or patience, and finally, the test of strength, which he sees as the least important. Because if you're doing your job correctly, it should never have to come to combat. At the end, one player must take up the mantle, and the Guardian will already have in mind from the journey who the best person for that job would be. What you will discover upon one of your players taking up the mantle is that upon returning to the city, the town itself has changed, shifted completely, taking on the alignment of their guardian. Or, should nobody take it up, the city will never be remembered. It has disappeared off of the face of the earth, because what he was truly guarding was the town's life force itself. There you go. Okay. Be really bad if the paladin is the one who's like, you'll be the next in line. Paladin's thinking, I don't really have any time to do this. Let's have the rogue take this job instead. <laughs> <laughs> Give them something productive to do with their life. And then the rogue just, yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. And that becomes a very interesting city. Oh, yes. I just <laughs> love the idea of a city that shifts alignment with its guardian. Something that, whether they're like a true neutral city, maybe at the beginning, but if your chaotic evil character seem, deems to take over, we've now essentially got the Shadowfell in the midst of the rest of this world. I like it. Uh, Ken, would you like to go last? Do you have a preference? Uh, yeah, let me go ahead and go last. And yeah. All right, so for my scenario idea... On the surface, it's fairly straightforward what we've already discussed. The party is summoned by, I haven't really decided, probably some kind of mystical um, force. Summons them to this large stone gate. Think the Stargate. 
um, circle, basically, in the middle of a forest. It's nearby a village, kind of on the outskirts, but it's in the forest area. There is a older warrior there who has requested their aid in being able to maintain his watch on this gate. There's a great evil behind it, and he needs to return to a wellspring in order to regain his life force to continue his watch. Unfortunately, it's difficult to go on his own now. He's probably not, like, super old, but you can tell he needs help. The trip there, you can make it as exciting as you want to. I figured it's fairly mundane. You get there, he gets to this well, it's supposed to be like a wellspring of life, and he walks back with him. When you get back to the gate, you'll see that it's just at the end of the time that he was able to leave. You can see these kind of creatures, these minions coming through, and you begin to fight them. Now, along the way, you'll have noticed if your party is rolling either perception checks or if you have any druids in tune with nature, you'll notice there's more and more decay getting closer to the gate. And when you get to the gate and you're fighting these minions, you'll notice every time that the warrior has to do something physically or magically, depending upon how much magic you want to give him, there is more decay that happens. Once the little minions are defeated, the gate is resealed. It seems normal again. And party has succeeded. He's able to now maintain his watch and you're good. At this point, party can go to the village if they so choose. And this is where the wrinkle comes in. This village has no idea who this guy is. They just know there's a weird ancient gate out there. And there's a weird creature that guards this gate. No one goes there. No one messes with it. But every so many years... It seems like the ground begins to regrow. Everything starts to gain life again. They have a good harvest. And then they have another 7-10 years of famine. That this is a cycle they've always been in. What the party will discover is this gate is not technically guarding an ancient evil. If they go back to talk to the warrior and if they press him enough. Or if anyone took from the water at the wellspring. They will discover that this warrior is actually a patron to, or a warlock of the Undying, essentially. He is a warlock to a patron of death. That in Ooh. order to keep his soul from slipping into death, he has to feed on the life force around him. And so his patron has decided, I'll put you to work. You can keep this power as long as you watch this gate. Behind that gate is an enemy of his patron. No idea who the enemy is, no idea the alignment, there's just something trapped behind that gate. So your party can decide, do they leave this be? Do they leave this cycle to happen? Or do they risk freeing whatever is behind the gate in order to free this town? Oh, that's interesting. If they decide to dig into the town, if they decide to just help the warrior and walk off, cycle stays as is. If they want to dig into it, they can maybe make a difference. But they have no idea what they're unleashing if they do. So that would be my scenario. Do you have an idea of what they're unleashing? I like the idea of a uh, demon lord Okay. that has been locked away from the Nine Hells. So not necessarily someone who is, I'm going to kill everything, but it's kind of like the lesser two evils of sorts. <laughs> it's gotcha. something that will not harm this area, but they might do more harm down the line depending on deals they make. Right. Because I... You could also make it like they trapped a god of some, you know, patron of healing if you wanted to. But it's like, that feels too easy. Making it like yeah. a neutral evil character is more fun, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, releasing that demon lord 
that then goes back to the nine hells could completely offset the power balance there, which could have repercussions back in the. Mm-hmm. What makes this interesting is that you've essentially created a deity that should be true neutral, but that has evil leaning intentions because the God of death is neutral. The mm-hmm. death comes for everyone, but that's now why I say it these could be like a demon as well, or it could be a good, um, a good one. Cause that would then make it a very strong moral choice that your characters have to make of, are we going to continue to allow this to happen to a good mm-hmm. deity or are we going to just walk away with that knowledge in our back pocket that, you know, if we call out to this good deity at some point, it's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing, too, is if you have the wellspring that is basically a connection to the this, you know, demon patron, that means that someone in your party is going to have a potential connection to this. Right. So if they want to make a deal, they can. But that deal is not going to be real fun in a couple of sessions. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, I had a hard time keeping the concept to a single session. So it's my first time participating with you guys, and I have (laughs) failed. Um, (laughs) Hey, at least you failed epically. Yeah, True. yeah, True. I, I, <laughs> I have this planned as an epic twelve-session campaign. Um, <laughs> hey, the fact you managed to get twelve sessions is impressive, actually. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Um, and uh, it, it's broken up into into basically uh, five different uh, phases of the campaign, um, and it's going to sound very, very familiar to what we were talking about kind of we're going to start off in you know whatever world or game setting we're in or or culture within a known game world it is a a known legend mythos whatever that there is a guardian against an ancient evil and this guardian is revered uh, kind of like a demigod and it's also known that you know as is kind of part of religion every thousand years mortals must journey and renew the guardian and so every thousand years a representative from each civilization that is involved in this this legend this mythos sends you know one each civilization sends one representative which just happens to be each of the characters right um which is a, a fun opportunity to put together a whole bunch of, of potential backgrounds that normally wouldn't be, uh, you know, going on adventures together. Uh, and so then it, it breaks down into, you know, you've got a couple of low level scenarios traveling to the guardian, maybe going across unknown wilderness, uh, you know, a little bit of skill challenge here and there, maybe, maybe like one encounter with, with with creatures that are otherworldly and strange and that you wouldn't normally expect then escorting this guardian to their the source of of power the wellspring is kind of you know the single biggest chapter of the campaign probably about four scenarios uh especially struggle with this guardian is old slow weak can't kill a goblin needs to be protected in every single way while evil increasingly seeps through the gate and starts to sack villages 
and is actively pursuing everybody kind of like the ring wraiths are pursuing Frodo, you know? Um, or I guess if we want to go to wheel of time, which is an homage to a Lord of the Rings and all of the other, you know, fantasy stories, Robert Jordan liked, uh, what is it, the Murdral, the, his version of the ring wraiths. <laughs> <laughs> um, since, you know, Amazon, sort of kind of built a show inspired maybe by those books <laughs> yeah i've heard mixed reviews on it <laughs> yeah it's its own story whether you like it or not it's its own story so gotcha. um <laughs> then we just have one scenario of getting to the wellspring uh it will be a classic dungeon crawl probably filled mostly with puzzles instead of fights because you the wellspring is going to have to be guarded but you're going to guard it with puzzles and traps and then a few scenarios coming back with the guardian fighting against this evil that has been pursuing them. Now you're, you know, you've turned from fleeing to fighting back and pushing them back. And in these scenarios, increasingly noticing that anytime the guardian uh, does something powerful, yeah, other things die. People in villages age or you know things like that because the guardian is sapping life and then getting to reclose the gate uh you know at the original place you started through this great epic challenge and you know as we were talking there there would be many uh choices there either one because i'm sitting here and i'm thinking that the evil coming through the gate is representative abstractly of despair and the guardian and the characters helping are representative abstractly of hope, but hope only conquers despair through sacrifice of those who are protecting us. And so this protection has to be done through sacrifice. Is the sacrifice done by everybody? Is the sacrifice made by the characters themselves? Uh, or does everybody reject the concept of sacrifice and let the evil through to win? there you go oh man because that can go so many different ways depending upon what characters your party decides to play and what conversations they've had along the way with the warrior even if right. they've gone along with him if they haven't gone along with him right i like right. it <laughs> that is a journey within itself <laughs> an unexpected journey <laughs> but i like that i like that a lot there's a there lot of go. different choices in there. The, uh, the theming is strong with it. The characters would definitely make that story. I think for me, as as I was listening through it, I was like, if there was anything that I would either adjust or change to it, yeah. is you you essentially have that guardian becoming uh, usable after they've made it to the wellspring because they've basically oh. been useless that entire time leading up to it. And now you have this character that suddenly... Oh, what have we unleashed? What have we allowed to have happen? <laughs> Wait, let, let's take that farther. Yeah, they're an NPC, but what if they essentially at that point become a magic item? So once they've gotten the wellspring, <laughs> once like they've it. gotten the wellspring, you give your characters, your players like a sheet of like, hey, if you mm -hmm. get in trouble, he can do this or or that. So they're or, in charge of the actions that he takes. Exactly. Yeah. That makes it worse when they realize that he's draining life and they get to a village and like half the people are sick and they realize, wait, you got sick like three days ago? Didn't you cast a spell three days ago? Wait, yeah. what have we been doing? <laughs> exactly. 
It would also be fun to run this with a wild magic table. That if he uses this, anytime he uses it, that's what you pull from. (laughs) Yeah. There are some crazy tables out there, too. That'd be great. I know. Just the the entire premise that we started from, it's a really fun one that can go a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And uh, there was. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, you're good. You can finish. (laughs) I I was just going to say, and. And I think we've discovered how uh, how easily uh, you know the creative juices can get running and go in all kinds of directions. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. One of the options I was considering um, when we first recorded was the idea of with if there's a soul cost to it. Well, okay, so his soul is worth like 10 good people. What if he does a bunch of bad deeds in order to reduce his soul? So rather than characters looking for a warrior, they're trying to find this bandit who's causing problems. And it's just a warrior trying to weaken himself to make it to where he's not as much of a risk to people. And then we decided to say, eh, what if he just wants the fight stuff anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's... That's a fun one too, because you, especially with players, you have no idea how they're going to respond to somebody <laughs> making yep. problems. You Are they just going to go murder them? Or yep. <laughs> uh, there, there was a. Feel free to cut this out later if you want to, Marie. The the very first game I ever played that I ran the character that they were fighting against was essentially a kid that had found a magic item and was like artemis fouling his way trying to rebuild his family and my players as soon as they found out that this person was doing this either i didn't explain it well enough or they didn't care they just started attacking a kid and in the middle of the session one of my (laughs) players just looks at the rest of the group and guys goes guys he's like 12 and all of my players just look at me like oh well, I attack him because <laughs> he attacked me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. To be I, fair, this child did have an imp that was following him around that he was in control of. So take that for what yeah. you will. I mean, in in those types of situations, um, I usually stop my players and 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 just say, okay... You have just told me that you are going to swing a greatsword at full force toward the head of a 12-year-old boy. Are you mm-hmm. sure that's what you want to do? Yep. And normally, <laughs> yep. <laughs> normally they'll, Normal they'll, they'll think about it. I mean, they might still do it, but they'll mm-hmm. think about it. And thinking's so, half the battle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I, and more often than not, it's it's something like you have just said that you're going to shoot an arrow at the king while you are surrounded by one thousand men of his yeah. army, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, I won't do that." My imagination didn't go that big. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I told a player that the creature that you're fighting, there's a control panel in front of you, where they mm-hmm. switch on and off, and a button that says "attack," and they go, "I'm oh. going to press the attack button." Well, it attacks your party member, so. Okay, you sure about that? Yeah, I press it. Okay, sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's odd. Ob- no been one cares. Trained too much to look for the abstract choice. 
when the yeah. obvious answer is right in front of us. Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, this has been a fun episode. This has been a really fun yeah. episode. Yeah, we got two scenarios on a mini campaign. So, hey, we're moving up. <laughs> I, I, I had a lot of fun. Is that... Are we finished? Uh, yeah, that, that's... I mean... Okay. Other than like whatever banter we have at the end, that's basically it. So um, okay. I feel like that's where we recording. cut off is the are we finished and just introduce <laughs> the music right there. <laughs> just are we finished and done. As was said, that has been two scenarios and a mini campaign. A special thanks again to Ken for coming on the show and for coming up with some really cool ideas that I am excited to try at some point. While Ken does not have any current projects he's working on the plug, he did hint at an idea he was working on in our after discussion. We have a clip of that over on our Patreon for our members to view, so be sure to go and check that out. And as always, have a great one. That brings us to the end of this episode. If you have a scenario idea you'd like us to turn into one shot, be sure to send it to us on Facebook or Instagram at Potato Candy Network, or you can also email us at potatocandynetwork at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on the social media and your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss any new episodes. Also, we would like for you to leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Let us know what you like about the show. Let other people know what you like. That is still a great way to share new episodes with people, so be sure to go do that as soon as you have a chance. If you'd like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at the link in the show notes below. And if you just can't get enough gaming in your life, we do have a sister podcast, Dreadful Tales, where Casey, aka Grumpy Elf, runs us through some horror RPGs. Currently, we are working on Monster of the Week and Little Fears, so those have been some fun campaigns you can hop in and see what we are up to. Hello! Bob Spuds here on the scene once again reporting for Potato Candy Network. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut tension full truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy. <laughs>